the real self-care is is not fun. It's not face masks and bubble baths. It's like <laughs> hardcore during, yeah. doing the work of, of examining yourself, examining your flaws, owning them, and essentially accepting your whole self. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to another episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. I'm anxious always. And I'm Emily. I'm just constantly distracted. And welcome welcome to to our our podcast. podcast. So we just had a breakthrough, speaking of my ADHD, um, the Spanish speaking language. Genius. They're actually, they're genius. We'll do it for you. Ready? Uno, Uno, dos, tres. I swear to God, we were recording this at fucking, what time is it? 10 o'clock at night. I want to go to bed, but we are recording this intro because we are so much procrastinators. I have an excuse. I have a um, disorder. I were you gonna say we got dinner late like what was the i mean that here? too but like i also just distract you very easily yeah. i, I steer is, you off course yeah, you very quickly friend y'all are really good about that it's sorry not it's not great we're both not mentally here <laughs> yeah <laughs> neither one of us is normal <laughs> we just had ourselves a day y'all it was beautiful. It was like 75 and sunny. Let me put it into perspective for you gals. Um, the only time me and Hannah hang out lately is to record this damn podcast. Um, yeah, we've literally seen each other three times this week. Um, that's because we had a lot of interviews. Yeah, we did. Um, for April. Shout out. But um, yeah, this is like our hangout time versus our recording time. And so rarely do we ever get a day where we just get to like do nothing and hang out and we took advantage of that today and i think that was a really great self-care moment lead in today's episode Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing that happened today was um this like really like unknown singer who like i haven't really ever heard of before but like she's low-key kind of good i think her name's like savannah maddens something like that yeah, like, i can't remember her name either hannah oh is it hannah it, adams oh it's hannah adams yeah. i think oh, yeah. i think i've heard of yeah. that girl yeah, yeah. she yeah. came out with a song called wanted, wanted? maybe <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys don't know hannah released her single wanted um today we're recording this on friday so it just came out um why don't you tell us a little bit about the little doodly bop. Yeah, so so fun fact, um, most of you might listen to it and think it's a breakup song. While, in fact, I did write it a little vaguely. Okay, so first off, I co-wrote it with one of my very, very good friends, William Henson. I've talked about him on the podcast before. He is my co-writer, my composer, my producer. He mixes. He does all of the things. He's wonderful. Um But we wrote the song very vaguely because my idea going into the song was about my times S on the end because they were plural of being contacted by NBC, the voice and going out and flying out to different cities in the U S and auditioning, having like a private audition. Um, and it was kind of that third time 
The first, the first three lines are fool me once, fool me twice. Maybe I'll learn the third time. And the third time, um, they contacted me again, really wanted, wanted me to come out and be on the show, audition for the show. And like definitely was my very best, um, audition for the show. And the guy, like one of the junior producers was from app state. So like we made a connection. It was really, really great. Still did not get through. I just don't think that I have that story, um, that they are looking for. And so I wrote a song about it. I wrote a song about how, um, you know, I was, I was rejected three times, but they still reached out and I was like the person that they wanted, um, that style, the sound, all of that. So I wrote it vaguely because that's a very specific, um, thing that happened to me but you know like what it kind of reminds me of for mm-hmm. like the og T- tori kelly listeners her song confetti yes, yes. which is like about it's kind of vague but it's honestly it's about her time on american idol mm-hmm. so yeah and so it was a, a really trying time for me because after that third audition i just kind of felt like hopeless and then um but it's like, I don't need you. Like that's, that's kind of the moral of the story is like, you wanted me, you had this opportunity, but like, I don't need you to do what I want to do. Um, so I related, I related a lot to rejection because I feel like that's, that's what people feel like this, this immediate rejection that people get. And then it turns out they were the one that the person wanted the entire time. Um, and I can relate it back to like my relationship as well, but, um, I love the song. It's so fun. It's super catchy. Um, people that have never supported my music have listened to it and shared it. So that was really, um, inspiring to me. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys check it out and writing process. If anyone's interested or is a songwriter, um, I do everything on my notes app. And everything on voice memos. Um, I If I come up with an idea, I immediately voice memo it. Um, I write lyrics randomly all the time. Um, but a lot of times I'll take my ideas and then I'll go hang out with William and we will um, make it into a masterpiece. So find you somebody who is really good at um, listening to your dreams and like what the direction that you want your song to go. Um, it's really, really important to have a producer who is actually going to like listen to you and not try to change your vision. Um, yeah, but I'm really excited. Yeah. Where yeah. can they find it at? They can find it on all streaming platforms. It's even on TikTok. Ooh. <laughs> so go like make a fuck ton of TikToks so to it. Make a bunch of TikToks. Um, so on Spotify, Amazon music, Apple, um, I don't know what other streaming platforms there are because all I use Pandora, is Spotify. Pandora, but Pandora, Pandora, Pandora Amazon music. Still, yeah. Amazon music. I don't know. Yeah, wherever our podcast is, I'm sure music. <laughs> yes, yes, and and we'll leave and it in, be in the show, show notes. notes, of course. Um, and then you can follow my music Instagram. It's at her name's Han. Um, I'm trying to cross promote, but um, that's pretty much all for music stuff. So yeah, yeah, very exciting. So is that your captivation this week? Definitely. Um, I have to captivate my own song. Like I don't think that was the correct. <laughs> Sure, sure, there. sure, sure. We'll roll with it. It's 1017. We're going to roll with it, okay? We'll roll with it. We'll rock with it. It's fine. I'll lean with it, rock with it. Anyways, so it. mine's a product. Um, <laughs> it's the Tatcha Dewey Serum, which I texted mm. you about this morning. Uh, yeah. I've been loving it so much lately. Like, I have combo skin, but I'm obsessed with Tatcha. Like, I love all of Tatcha's products, like, low-key. so beautiful. Like, uh, sitting out on your vanity. 
Oh yeah, like it's fucking sixty dollars. Yeah, it better be fucking beautiful and amazing. Um, but it's really great. I love using it underneath my makeup. It gives a nice healthy glow to my skin and it gives me all the hydration that I need. And it also helps to not only hydrate the top layer of my skin, it also hydrates the epidermis layer of my skin and it gives just if you like the um the glossier like that cloud do serum kind of thing i don't remember the name of it to save my life but if you like that you would love the tasha one it's very similar if not better because it has just better skincare ingredients in it in my opinion but yeah so we're gonna do a couple little housekeeping things make sure that you guys are following us on our instagram it's at the gals guide pod um, and then you can follow me specifically on my instagram at hannah nicole adams and I am at Emily Elise, that is A-L-E-E-C-E. Make sure that you guys are following us on TikTok. And then also you can subscribe, rate, and review to our podcast on Apple Podcast. Um, give us a little review and we'll shout you out in our Instagram stories. So before we get into today's episode with OK Sis, which we are so thrilled to have Scout and Maddie on our podcast. It's like, literally like a dream. We literally I had them as a captivation like a couple days ago. Literally love scout and maddie i've been following their podcast for so long so like having them on our podcast is a literal Did like I, i'm literally was it, was it me that introduced them to you I don't remember. I think so. Possibly. I think you did. Yeah. And, and now started, Maddie and I are friends on TikTok and I, I like, adore it. Thank you so obsessed much. Obsessed with them. Like they're just, they're queens. I love their podcast. So you guys definitely should check them out. But we want to have on the podcast to talk about like mental health and everything because they're very open and candid about that on their podcast. And I realized that listening back to the audio, I didn't really dive into my personal like struggle journey with my mental health and everything like that basically if you're an avid listener of the show you guys know that i have been diagnosed um since i was 14 years old so back in 2007 um with uh attention deficit hyperactivity disorder uh so adhd um with that i have a combination type of anxiety um and then usually i do have depressive episodes but i've never been clinically diagnosed with clinical depression i have also been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder so cptsd which is a very much different version of regular ptsd complex complex PTSD is basically when you've been exposed to trauma for a long period of time, and that was uh, diagnosed by my therapist when I went to therapy after the doctor and I's relationship. Um, and it probably has been in my life for a long time because I was bullied at a very young age to the point where I had suicidal thoughts and um, isolation and everything. So there is a trigger warning that we do have for this episode for stuff like that. We don't get too deep into that kind of stuff but I, just in case like you are like you know want to make sure and be careful about anything like just heads up um for that because i'm going to talk a little bit before about my personal experience with it before we get into their interview but yeah so i've had adhd since i was 14 years old i've had it really all my life um my the way it was brought to my parents when i was a kid was not the best way possible because my teacher brought it up to my parents in a very rude way um and they were like well she's eight years old of course she's going to be hyper and like all this stuff like and honestly like adhd is not diagnosed very well in girls um it is often misdiagnosed um and just goes undernoticed and so when i got into high school my algebra teacher shout out to miss roberts love ya uh she was the one who gently approached my parents about it because i was failing algebra for the third time uh and she we went to a psychiatrist to get tested and i will say if you think that you have adhd i know it's expensive 
I'm not going to ever deny that I had privilege going to a psychiatrist to get diagnosed. I do encourage you going to a psychiatrist to get diagnosed because a general practitioner cannot make a proper diagnosis of ADHD or any mental health disorders because they are not personally trained like a psychiatrist is. Therapists cannot make a, t- a clinical diagnosis to give you medication because that's not what they're trained in. They just got their master's degree. A psychiatrist went and got a full-on doctorate degree. I am very pro that just because ADHD is... It's just a disorder that a lot of people will just go to a doctor to get a prescription for Adderall and so they can abuse it. And um, it really, I feel like to me, diminishes the value of the disorder to like a lot of people get on Adderall or like Ritalin and stuff like that so they can like get work done and shit done and they feel like they have a high, like they're like energized a bunny and all that shit. For me, my medication just makes me feel like a regular fucking person. Like it doesn't give me that energized bunny energy. Like I just have enough dopamine levels to like function as a normal fucking human being. Um, it's not great if I didn't have to take Vyvanse to function like a normal human being. I wouldn't because it does severely suppress my appetite. Um, I notice when I don't take it, I am fucking irritable as hell. I get angry very easily. I do not like how I am off my medication, which is why I am been on medication for over fucking, I don't know how many years, like over 10 years now. Yeah. Um, I just don't like who I am. Um, I'm, I'm not a functional person. I get angry really easily and I, um, I get angry because I get mad at myself because I can't function like a normal person. And it is super debilitating. So that's when I encourage people going to get diagnosed for ADHD is when it's literally debilitating your entire life. There's so many things about ADHD I didn't know about, you know, when I was first diagnosed, like I did not know the sensory overload was a thing because I get that all the time. Um, rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria is a thing. Um, there's so many other things that um, learning that I am neurodivergent and versus neurotypical, I I personally will say that in the episode a lot too, that I am neurodivergent. I do classify as that because it is an entire personality disorder. It's a learning disorder. It literally, my prefrontal cortex is significantly smaller than an average human beings. I am prone to getting Alzheimer's when I get older. It is not a glamorous thing. Do I wish I had it? I... I'm thankful that I have it and sometimes because it does make me the person that I am and I don't ever want to change who I am, but it's a very, very fucking frustrating thing and I, I don't over glamorize it like, oh, yeah, a squirrel, like I have ADHD, like I can't pay attention, like it's not just that, like it is something that like I hate myself at the end of the day because of it, but I'm also like, no, like this is who I am and that's mm-hmm. why in this episode like I don't ever refer to myself as broken because for so long I was told that I was and I didn't like that narrative a lot of people who are neurodivergent don't like the narrative and when I say neurodivergent I'm classifying people who have autism ADHD dyslexia and dyspraxia um, those are what typically people especially in the DSM classify as neurodivergent versus neurotypical um, and yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm still learning about myself uh, because so much more studies are coming out about it. And I just know that women specifically struggle with getting diagnosed with it because it is so much more overlooked. It's definitely classified more as a boy's disorder than it is a girl's. When girls are just equally as effective, we just show you hide it very, better. Yeah, mm-hmm. we mask it better. We just yeah. show very different symptoms. We're not like... Yep running around the classroom right um or yeah. things like that like it's very very different and um yeah i am very much an adhd advocate i will never forget when i lived in london i stumbled across a whole protest of people trying to say adhd was fake 
Like, okay. I was like, and like, I was like, this is so much fun to walk into. People just, you know, invalidating like my brain. Me. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. that. Love that. Love that. You. That's terrible. Um, like, I will probably be on my medication for the rest of my life. Um, and I mean, there's times where I've thought about withdrawing because, you know, it's just easier. Uh, but the withdrawal symptoms are awful um, because, I mean, Vyvanse is literally like a couple cells away from meth. Um, like it is literally with like withdrawing from a hardcore drug. I've gone weeks without my medication before because health insurance in America is shit. Um, and they tried to tell me that I didn't need that medication when I did. And I, after I've been taking it for 10 years and they were like, Ooh, let's change your medication. I'm like, mm, no, like yeah. we're, you can't do that with somebody and their mental health. So I just wanted to like go and tell people a little bit about that because I don't think I'd ever really gone into detail with um, yeah. my ADHD and I, and I'm just someone who's a really big advocate for just getting more information about it. And, you know, even though this is my disorder, there are things I'm going to get wrong about it. And I, oh, yeah. I'm, I don't have a fucking doctorate. Like I was just told I have this and I'm learning more about it. I fucking did like a trial study in undergrad about ADHD because people, the psych students wanted to learn more about it. And so like, that's where I learned a lot of this stuff from. But like, um, yeah, like emotional regularity is something that I also struggle with. Like I'm always thinking about different things. Um, so if you think that you have ADHD after listening to me talk about it, or if you ever have questions, like shoot me DM, like I'm always happy to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I encourage, you know, just do some research. I don't encourage self-diagnosing um, because it is very easy to misdiagnose. Please go see a proper doctor or counselor about it. And we will leave information about all this in the show notes, um, especially for Scout and Maddie's and everything like that. But um, yeah, just want to get that little disclaimer and kind of backstory before we got into this episode um, because we, it is so heavily focused on them, I think, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, that's what we're fucking here for. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Alrighty, guys. So today we have zooming in the home studio today, two impeccable and astounding sisters that are co-hosts of the OK Sis podcast, Scout and Maddie. That, okay, that's an adjective. Impeccable. <laughs> so like I'm the adjective police and like I'm always trying to expand my vocabulary and I'm just like always looking for, I'm like the sorest is on my is on my tabs always yes. always always oh, so yeah. that's, a, that's a new one i need to add to the rotation impeccable i started telling people um like when they're like is that okay with you or like whatever like when waiters like read back the order i'm like yeah stunning i'm like that's stunning yeah i started doing that love that mm-hmm. you know what i've started to say um tender Oh, I like that. You know, okay. like, it's so, it's just a I've been saying that word a lot, but it's when you touch, I have sciatica problems, when you touch my butt, it's tender. So I'm getting a different version of tender because my whole body is just really tight right now with sciatica. And so I did a stretch and my friend touched my thigh and it was tender. So not the type of tender you were talking about. And oh. then I also have a different form of Tinder and that I got blocked um, from Tinder. I am permanently banned from Tinder. <laughs> do not know why. They do not provide you a reason why, nor can you um, like, like fight the rebuke like, it or whatever. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I need a story for this, unless you guys have already said this on the podcast, but like, what do you, what, what like act? 
activity or behaviors were you eliciting? On were this you app? sending nudes? On no, I guess I just, so, I guess I just wasn't messed, like matching with enough people. Here's the thing. Here's this the is thing. a lawsuit. You cannot know. What? Maddie, remember that they have to edit this. Okay. So, you know, turn it down, turn the dial down. She it's, to, it's, it's, me. it's, it's just good. her. It's, I'm used to her. So I apologize in advance. It's fine. it's fine. She has to deal with me too, so it's cool. No, Emily's the type yeah. that like she'll match with someone on Tinder and be like, "Here's my number. I never get on this app because <laughs> I don't." Oh. Or like, follow me on Instagram. Okay, like, so they, so they're probably the like customer service. The Tinder customer service is probably mining through all of the messages, yeah. and they are looking for people that are giving numbers out so you guys can go off app. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, but eventually everyone has to go off. Exactly. Yeah. I just. No, but after- you're saying I never use this app. <laughs> <laughs> I use it to swipe and then I'm gone. <laughs> like I, after watching the social, um, what was dilemma? it? Yeah, okay. the social dilemma. I turned like all my notifications off for like so all I. my social media okay. apps, and so like if I matched with somebody, like they'd just be chilling there for a couple weeks, and like I would yeah, never know. Yeah, but they don't. They don't. Uh, some guy. No, somebody. Somebody. What's it called? Reported you. Yeah, because someone definitely got bitter. Go on that. Yeah, someone got mad that you said no and maybe works there or knows someone and fucked you That's over. That's probably what it is. I did yeah. match with um, a former Vine star once. Um, and So maybe it was him. It, it, was, was, it was him. Yeah. <laughs> what a Who great a legacy. Star. What a great legacy. <laughs> I'm a former Vine star. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Maddie's like, which one? <laughs> well, first of all, which one? And then second, like does he do anything now i mean i'm I, sure he's i think he has a podcast now um but it was the dude that was yes. like it what was the vine it was um let's go to the beach beach who am i oh. nikki minjaj that was the vine <laughs> <laughs> no i never i never really watched vine i wasn't on vine as much but oh. it was a very obscure vine but like if you were like if you were on vine it's definitely in the vine compilations yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the vine compilations. Dude, like, on youtube like if you ever need something to do just look, type in vine compilations and just watch that's low key really i that's only matched with him though because i knew he was friends with cody co and noel miller and all them and i was like i want to be friends with okay them. Okay. I don't okay. Know wait. Any of those wait. Are. Yeah, I know. Scout. Scout. <laughs> you're gonna have to just like be quiet for a second because <laughs> I just discovered Kelsey Kreppel. Is that how you say? I her love her. Yes. And then, therefore, discovered Cody, and I literally have been on a YouTube binge of hers. Like I'm watching her vlogmas. I'm like literally in Christmas. <laughs> like it's like ridiculous. And. I've been saying all over the internet that, like, I want to start a YouTube channel, and it is seriously because of Kelsey. Like, she, her and I feel like we have very similar energy. I could watch her literally take a shit. Like, I'm <laughs> obsessed with her, and I was like, you know what? If Kelsey can do this, I'm gonna fucking do well, it. Oh, like, 100%. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, my God. She's incredible! And I keep <laughs> telling Scout to look her up because I feel like she's what a third sister of ours. Do you kind of get that vibe? Yeah. I mean, she even looks like she could be related to y'all too. I think she's Jewish. She must yeah. be because that hair is, is, is like this. It's curly. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, you know, going to that place that I go to a lot when we create content, which is I am out of touch. I am not relevant. And um, I don't have anything to contribute in certain factors, you know, and it's making me feel, it's making me feel old, but it's making me feel proud. 
I'll tell you why. There you go. Because you said, if you have some time, YouTube, Vines, whatever. I was like, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to make a cup of tea. I'm going to journal. Rude. 10,000 <laughs> times more productive. 10,000 times better. I do not need to watch 21-year-olds doing Vine shit, you know? No, no thank you. No. And Back do we in, really like, have time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Too good. I can't even get through Friends. You know, I'm like stuck on season. I, yeah, yeah. I started it and then stopped because I was like, "This is too big of a commitment. It's too big of a commitment." It's I don't not have that even the of- commitment. It's just I don't really feel like watching. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about commitment. My film, my I'm, film heart hurts. <laughs> I do, my I am like hardcore in the middle of binging Grey's Anatomy. Like for the first time ever, never watched it, and that my friends is a commitment. Like, that's like 13 seasons. Yeah, no, I don't think I'm gonna finish it because I can't even like, I can't believe it's still on. And apparently, like (laughs) the main character has Coronavirus, which like, I don't want to see that content. Like, oh, God, five years from now, that's gonna be a plot line in TV shows the Coronavirus. I don't want to. Let's like skip over that. Like, I do not want to see anyone at home. I don't want to see any more zoom produced content. We're done. Just you just let's just put it in the background, just pretend it never happened, kind of thing. Like you know, just keep it out of my TV. I'm already living in it, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I 100 percent feel that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, is this video published? No. Okay, because I'm wearing my cast thing. No, Uh, no, we haven't. We haven't done a single thing with it. I just said that I was not relevant and old, and then you're gonna post a video of me with an arm brace (laughs) because I have carpal tunnel, and you know, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm thinking about my image here. You know, thinking about my image. God is deteriorating. We haven't mastered that part yet. We don't even know. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Why? I'm so. I'm so surprised you don't want that. Oh my god. I would love that. <laughs> I mean, there's, I have to, I have zero boundaries really, or I don't know. I, I'm now creating boundaries on what I put on the internet. And then after I create the boundary, I get into a position where I'm asked to cross that boundary. And then I just do just very openly yeah. do it. And then <laughs> after I say to myself, that was a content pillar that I wasn't going to go towards. And I went towards yeah. it. Um, like for instance, I think we like tried to, we had a conversation about dialing back the vagina content and just like us always talking about coconut oil as lube. It comes up far more than it needs to. <laughs> and we just like one day sat down and we're like, can we just like, let's like not mention let's just, like, co- <laughs> like, why do you keep, why do you I keep don't remember that conversation because it came up literally three episodes ago. I was going to say, I'm, no, I'm no, no, sure but you, you talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it. I know. We, well, no. And then Scott, we did have a conversation. We were just like, yeah, let's like, let's just, let's not. And so. <laughs> so let's reel it back in. <laughs> I don't remember that conversation. Okay. You have amnesia. So. <laughs> well, speaking of amnesia, <laughs> can you set us on the transition <laughs> into today's But no, we, um, you guys have been so open, like on y'all's podcast about like your mental health journey and everything and just the different, um, things you both have like struggled with and how. Hold on, was amnesia the transition because it's a mental illness? Yes, yes. 100% I'm using it. I'm writing it. We're going with it. Yes. Because I was like, I don't know how the fuck. I was like, where does this connect? Okay, got it. 
we're like, good. We're golden. I was like looking for a door. I was like, I okay. don't know where the fucking door is going to come from. And I was like, hey, I'm going to take this little sliver of a crack right here and try it. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. Okay. All right. Keep going. Yes. We do, we do talk about mental health. <laughs> Bryce said about being a comedy writer is that you can find a transition in anything, honestly. <laughs> but you guys have been really open about like your journey and like your self-care that you guys both do um and so for any of the listeners that don't listen haven't listened to your show yet um because they're going to after this episode obviously uh <laughs> can you share a little bit about like both of y'all like like your journey like what you guys struggle with blah 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 uh, yeah, who wants to start? Mads, me? Who, which well, one? Scal has the more severe mental illness, so why don't you why don't okay. you kick it off? We won't ease them in. So <laughs> this is Scout, by the way. We never uh, said which one was which. I'm Scout, and I live with bipolar disorder, which has manifested in many, you know, spectacular symptoms such as depression, anxiety, hypomania. I am bipolar type two. So my main symptom is more the mood swing towards depression and not mania. So I just deal with hypomania. I have psychosis and paranoia as well as catatonia, which is when my whole body becomes paralyzed and I cannot speak for a length of time because my nervous system is so frayed out. And so I started, I had my first depressive episode at the age of 14 and then was formally diagnosed at the age of 20. And I've been on a bunch of different medications, uh, inpatient, uh, outpatient twice, and uh, just through a lot of different therapists and different yeah. healing modalities. And so it has been, I guess, over 15 years of living with a mental illness. And I think that at this point in my life, I am a lot better equipped with the strength and tools that I use. Spirituality is a really big part of my healing journey, as well as my coping skills and Yes, we are very open about it on the podcast, which I think shocked a lot of people, which I was unaware of, mostly because I think once you do outpatient and inpatient program, which is group therapy, so group therapy was a big part of my healing process as well, you get really comfortable sharing the depths of your soul with other people that you don't know. And then there was also this aspect that I think a lot of people deal with where they feel shame for living with a mental illness. And I just never felt that. And I, I never had that barrier at all. Mads would always say, you know, I would tell the barista I'm bipolar. She made, you know, a drinking game out of it. Every time Scout says bipolar, take a shot. I mean, I just say it over and over and over again because it is such a big part of my life and I've never really understood why I wouldn't be able to share that openly. So I do. And I understand that sometimes it can be a little intense, you know, like suicidal ideation and stuff. But I think that the way I talk about it really normalizes it and allows us to have a conversation where we're laughing hysterically one second and then talking really seriously about a mental illness. And I think that's also the beauty of OKSIS is that we can ride those different topics and be really light and then get really deep and then make lightness of the depths. So um, Mads has obviously seen me walk through this path and has um, you know, she's younger than me. So there were times when she might have not understood exactly what was going on with me. But I think that and, you know, I don't want to speak for her a lot. But I think that with the podcast, and me talking so openly about it, Mads has now really, really stepped into her own mental health journey and claimed that part of her life as something that you have to do, even if you don't have so if you don't have a mental illness, you still have mental health that you have to upkeep. And so Mads has been, in my opinion, a really big pioneer 
around the mental health conversation that has nothing to do with mental illness, uh, which has really invited a lot of people people in. So I, you know, I'm really grateful and proud of that. And I'll let, I'll let Mads talk about her experience. Yeah. So I think when you grow up with someone who has a mental illness, you are kind of considered like normal. And then therefore all of your emotions are not prioritized and not like taken as seriously, if that makes sense. So when I grew up, like to no fault of my parents, but I was always like deemed the funny and like silly one and loud one and happy one and more like positive, which kind of bit me in the ass later on because I then became very conditioned to think that negative emotions were evil and that they should never be felt, that they should be always pushed aside. And it's like, why, why would you ever like, let's always be happy. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't be happy. So that caught up to me, especially right after college. And I was, you know, there was like huge breakdowns that I would have. Um, and then just kind of like, let it go. I I was obviously my body was like trying to tell me that something is like deeper. And so I started therapy and that was like, I mean, it, I think it should be a prerequisite for everyone in the world to go to therapy. Like it is not about, it's not about just like, going through a trauma and then going to therapy or, I mean, even like with couples therapy, like it's, it, people usually go to couples therapy when there's an issue where it's like, no, 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 you should be going from the very beginning because it's about, no, I should, I want to. It's like preaching, like like everyone should go to couples therapy. I was like, you've never fucking gone. Couples therapy. I just said everyone should go to therapy, but like my, my therapist said, she was like, yeah, a lot of couples come when there's an issue. Whereas like you need to come before the issue. So that is that is something I feel like should be a prerequisite for everyone. Like if you have access to it, and I know, you know, it's really expensive, but it, hopefully if you have, you know, health insurance and you can get get help in that way, because it's not just about going through a trauma. It's also just like the self-exploration and understanding how you respond to situations, understanding your quirks and this and, and your flaws. And it's just a whole education of yourself, right? Yeah. And like also, you know, our parents got divorced when I was in high school and I never, like, I was talking to my therapist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I'm over the divorce. Like I love my, you know, parents, how they are or whatever. And she's like, I don't even think you ever went through it. Like, I don't think you ever mourned it. Like it, I just like push it under the rug and it's manifesting in a lot, a lot of different ways in the past couple of years. So it's scary. It's not fun. Like, and we talk about this all the time about how self-care, the real self-care is, is not fun. It's not face masks and bubble baths. It's like (laughs) hardcore during doing the work of, of examining yourself, examining your flaws, owning them and essentially accepting your whole self. And that is something I've struggled with and still do is this like acceptance part I've never fully understood what it means to like accept those negative parts because I still have this conditioning of like, oh my God, those negative parts have to be pushed down and cannot be, you know, brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So I think with mental it's health, health, it's, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's so cool when I hear Mads talk about stuff like this, because when I was diagnosed, the word bipolar disorder was a death sentence. I mean, it was not. No, yeah. There was no Instagram captions about mental health. And so I feel as if 
you know, maybe Mads wasn't ready at the time that she should have gone to therapy because the world wasn't pushing that kind of stuff on people without mental illnesses. I was forced into this stuff out of survival, right? I couldn't function. I dropped out of college. You know, I was in, my life was in danger at times. So it's so cool to me to see now that this conversation is always being had. Mads and I always go on podcasts and I always want to talk about mental health. And it's so cool because the work that Mads is doing is the work that everybody gets to do. And, and I should say, if therapy is too expensive or your insurance doesn't cover, et cetera, uh, there are free support groups available in all, in all, you know, well, most neighborhoods. And I would start looking up 12-step programs specifically. A 12 Which step is what program. we just talked about with Allie. Yeah. yeah. It's not just for Alcoholics Anonymous. You can go for Depression Anonymous, ACA. They have all these different types and it's completely free and you will get a structure, a sponsor, a book, a a support group if therapy is something that you cannot currently afford. There is is help out there. Yeah, we just had um, Allie Ringer who is a um, uh, recovery coach. She uh, has a podcast about it as well too that she mainly helps uh, women who are struggling with codependency, which is something that I struggle with. Um, and you know, going how she went through like CODA and that, that 12 step program and like group therapy, but similar to like you, Maddie, um, I feel like you're like you and Maddie are both very similar and that like you through me, I feel like you've been able to like bring more recognition to like your anxiety and things like that, because I was diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety when I was, um, 14. And with that, I've also had depression because when you have ADHD, like anxiety and depression are just naturally gonna, um, usually ride along with it. Um, it's natural to come with it. And then I also experienced like heavy trauma and, um, middle school. And then recently experienced, um, I've been in like two abusive relationships that had came with trauma from that as well too. So we're riding strong here. (laughs) But I actually, I started therapy um, back in 2018, purely for my anxiety and luckily was in it when I went through a really traumatic relationship. But with all of that, uh, I mean, I I don't think you've ever seen me have a panic attack or anything like that. Mm -mm. I've seen you get close, but not not a full panic Not a full-fledged one. But when I first was diagnosed at like 14 with ADHD, like similar to like you scout, like it was something where like you wasn't really ever talked about. And I didn't really know the full details and the full realm of having ADHD. I thought, Oh, I just can't focus. I fidget all the time. Um, I failed math like three times, um, until I was medicated and it started like therapy and just thought like, that's all it was. I was just a hyper kid and I just never could concentrate. And it wasn't until like, I literally got into college that I started learning like no, like neurodivergency, like it's all these things. And like, there's like sensory overload. And I was like, oh my God, like this explains so much. And Hannah, you work with a lot of kids who have autism. And so you've been able to like, see a lot of the stuff that a lot of like neurodivergent kids like experience. And you're like, no, like, yeah, like that's this, mm-hmm. what your experience is valid. <laughs> like This is yeah. exactly why. Yeah. I was going to say, cause Scott, like when Scout told me she was depressed, like I didn't know it was a disease. Like I thought she was just like in a funk. And I was like, I was like, get out of it. Like just fucking go, get up and go. Like, I don't understand you're being lazy. And it wasn't until she sat me down. She's like, look, when you say those things to me, it really hurts because, because I, it is not, uh, it's not my choice. Like I, I, this is a disease. It's like part of my biology. And I, it really took me a long time to understand that, um, that it wasn't a choice. And I think a lot of people still to this day, maybe 
don't recognize it as as something that is like innately in you that yeah. you cannot control. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I get really really specific with that messaging because I bring this up on my solo podcast a lot because a lot of the times, yes, what I'm feeling and experiencing on an emotional mental level is not in my control. My bipolar disorder is not in my control. I didn't ask for it, all of those things. But it is really important to distinguish that what is in your control is what you do about those feelings and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times, or at least I super, super head hid in that, well, it's out of my control. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to have a panic attack here and I'm going to be depressed all day and I'm not going to do the work and I'm not going to get up because it's out of my control. And in that statement, you perpetuate yourself as the victim, and then you also get addicted to your depression. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times there's people, I get, I get, I get DM'd, texted from, you know, Sally's mother's daughter's ex, whatever, who has bipolar and wants to get on the call with me. And I get on the call with people. And the first question I always ask them, I say, are you addicted to your depression? And it stops them in their tracks and they really have to think about it. And they know that when they're talking to me, it's safe and it's not a therapist. It's not their parents. It's not this. And I said, are you addicted to your depression? And a lot of the times the answer is yes. So uh, if you're feeling so hopeless and, and don't know how to get out of it and don't really want to because you understand this pain, right? Like I understood the pain of depression and my family was asking me to please move out of it to a different type of pain which is the pain of just living in this society and figuring out who you are in adulthood and all the things. And, you know, I said, no, 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 I know this pain. I don't know that pain. And I'm not going over there because that's too out of my comfort zone. So in many ways, when you experience depression, anxiety, or any sort of mental illness for a long period of time, the, the way your brain works gets addicted to that. And mm-hmm. it also, I'll be the first one to admit, gives you a lot of fucking attention. Like, I can't do that right now. I'm depressed. Um, yeah, you're going to have to come home because I'm a mess. You know, it just, and it, that takes a lot for someone to admit that they're acting in that zone, that they are keeping themselves in victimhood because they're afraid of the other pain that comes with being a fully functioning human being in society. You, Scout, you were in the middle of saying, um, getting, like you were getting addicted, like getting addicted to your depression and everything um, and living in that state and being very comfortable with it and how people can use it like in a way because like it does get you attention and I will say like I have I I think every guy I've dated in the past two years has struggled with depression and some of them were you know I could tell that they wanted to you know get better and be stronger and everything but then I dated I remember I dated one guy who we called a musician on the show um he was very comfortable living in that um, that state. And it was to a point where I had to walk away because it was just like, I, you were going to, I'm doing great with my mental health. If I stay in this, it is going to bring me down to a very dark place that I fought years to get out of. And I cannot be back in that place. And so in a way, I think when you are like, it's a very delicate thing you have to balance when you are friends or you're in a relationship with somebody who is also struggling with mental health, if you are as well too, because you have to remember that you have to take care of yourself at the end of the day as well too. Like as much as you want to be there for the other person and you might feel guilty about staying with that person, like with by breaking up with that person versus staying with that person, you have to realize at the end of the day, like what is better for you? Like, is it going to bring you down? Is it going to make you put you in a darker place if you stay in that place so I'm curious how you guys like brought up like your like 
mental health, especially you just got like to your partners, um, when you first met them and, um, like to your, even to like your friends, like, how did you introduce that? Like, were you nervous at all? So there wasn't really ever a conversation I super had to have because my first depressive episode was at the age of 14 and everybody knew I went to a small school and I was really depressed mm-hmm. and I wasn't taking care of myself and I wasn't eating and I was self-harming and it was, everyone knew it was just every single person knew. Everyone knew that I was in therapy all of high school, all the things I dated my husband in high school and then we broke up. So when we got back together, my husband is almost 10 years sober now. So when we got back together, he was a year and a half sober. So he led with that. And so I led with, oh yeah, I just got out of outpatient or an inpatient. And so that was something that we could have a really great dialogue with. But all of my friends, most of my friends are childhood friends. And so they just always knew. And then it got to a point where since all my childhood friends knew, like, again, it was never a secret and it was never even Mm -hmm. a conversation. I even had to sit someone down and tell them because I just don't operate that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So if I have a new friend, but but Scout, tell, tell, um, tell them about what, what Adam said to you in terms of like hopefulness. Oh, um, a few months into dating, he said to me, he said, if you're depressed, he said, I don't care if you're depressed. I really don't care. If you're depressed and hopeful, I can stay in this, com- in this relationship. But if you're depressed and hopeless, I can't be here. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I said, oh, okay, someone's going to hold me accountable for my own healing. And I had lost a lot of things such as, you know, college experiences, jobs, my freaking dignity when they locked me up. And, um, I decided that this was the last thing I was going to lose. So but I think I, that that's a, yeah, like that's a really good, like Emily, you were mentioning that this boyfriend was obviously not going to seek help. And so I yeah. think there, there's, a, there's a distinction of like, if you're hopeful and you do want to take healing into your own hands, then you can be with someone who is, who has depression. Um, yeah. But then and if goes, they're- I'm sure man, that goes for just relationships where you don't have mental illnesses. If someone yeah. is in a funk and not showing up and taking care of themselves, you know, after a while you say, yo. Yeah. No, my, I mean, <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend was the one that- basically made me go to therapy. Like, I mean, he suggested it, but he was very adamant about me getting help because like, he saw specific patterns of behavior and breakdowns and things. And he was like, maybe you should talk to someone. Like, it's not shameful. It's just like, he just pushed me in that direction. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's when you're in a relationship, it's, it is about supporting that person and understanding and kind of like pushing them to the solution a little bit and like encouraging them to heal. I think that's so important in a relationship. And a lot of the times it's the only, it's a lot of the times it's the only relationship that can do that for you. So yeah, for example, I was telling Mads for years to go to therapy, but it hits differently when it's your partner, you know, people for years to get better and hit differently when he said it to me. And so I think that there's something about a long-term partner that's either a husband or a serious relationship in that they're your family, but there's also a chance that they might not be one day. So you listen when they talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to, um, cause this was something that I struggled with where I dated someone who had 
very serious depression, was very open about his depression and everything. And I was very open about my anxiety and my ADHD and that I was in therapy for it and that I struggled with, um, you know, codependency and all that stuff. And they were like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm, I'm glad that for you. And I'm like, like, what do you do? Like, I was like, just curious. Like, I was like, like, how are you like with your mental health? And he's like, oh, like I'm doing like drugs to cope with it basically. And I'm like, that's not, (laughs) he like, instead of like, instead of like doing therapy and like, he's like, well, I haven't been on my meds for like over a year. So I've been doing shrooms instead. Cause like psilocybin is like linked to like helping depression, which like valid. He was a doctor. Like he had science backing him up, but I'm like, this is not the same. And at the time I was like, okay, my codependency is being triggered. I'm going to, I think that I can fix you by being more loving. And that's like, no, like you, you shouldn't, one, you cannot fix anybody Two, (laughs) You shouldn't feel like you have to be someone's therapist and fix them in that scenario. Because for me, I dated people who thought that of me and they were like, oh, like I can fix you or something. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing for you to fix. And that's one message that I've always tried to get out with, like with mental health and mental illness is that you're not broken in a sense. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you know, this is just how your brain has been wired. And it's such an interesting conversation. And I hope I don't offend anybody by this. No, People always say that, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. And that narrative, my soul has never been broken. My soul will never be broken. My soul is pure and divine and, you know, of godly energy. But for me, the narrative that I was broken works for me. Like, yeah, broken and I had to fix myself. And so for me, that works. And for other people, it totally might not. But sometimes for me, my brain goes to, well, if there's nothing broken about me, I don't have to do anything. Mm. I don't have to fix anything. I'm not broken. And But I get what you're saying, Emily, because I think for well, me- Well, that's like, the narrative. That's the, that's the mainstream narrative that's very helpful for people. But it's okay. Yeah. I'm just pointing out that it's okay no, no, no. For, yeah. for stuff like that to not necessarily hit home for everybody. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think, like, with me, like, a lot of it is, like, what you said first, like, my soul, like, isn't broken or anything like that, like, but, like, being consciously aware that, like, there are, there are things that I have to be conscious of, like, I have to make sure that I'm not being, like, irritable to people because that's a very short thing that I could do very quickly and being very hot-headed and letting my aggression on other people because I can't control my emotions and I have emotional irregularity um when my symptoms are being um at their utmost like like being flared and everything or when I go to a panic attack like that's what I usually result to is being short and being irritable and you know being conscious of the parts in like my DNA that have like quote unquote like flaws and like mm-hmm. just not like pushing it to the side, being like, oh, that's just how I am, kind of thing. Like, right? It's it's not the being narrative. passive about it. Yeah, it's the like it's okay to not be okay type of thing, and it's the whole owning your flaws, accepting them, understanding yeah. that they do exist, and that it's not. I mean, we talk about this a lot, where you know my my approach historically when I like go through a stressful time is like how do I fix this? How do I get back to happiness? Whereas like now I have challenged myself to like actually sit in those uncomfortable moments and actually understand what's going through, like feel the feels, like whatever, you know, the Instagram thing is, but like that is so foreign to me and that's very tricky to do. And 
what that does though is help you just like understand how you react to things and how you are with in 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 contact with those stressful moments like what do you do what are, what are you like and instead of you'll never know the real you know real wholeness of you if you're just like running to this like okay let me get back to positive happiness which spoiler like isn't re- like it's not that's not the end goal right like I always thought yeah. that was the end goal but it's not because it, it gets to a point where there can be that toxic positivity um yeah, and sure um, and you, it's very prevalent a lot of times, I feel like, especially on Instagram. Um, and it's to the point where it's like, you can't always just fake being happy, um, 24 seven. And I, I appreciate a lot of content creators that are just very, and I think you guys do it too. Like you're just very raw about like, this is my like emotions today. Like, this is how I feel. Like, I remember, I think the first thing I ever saw, which is maybe out of touch for you guys, but like on YouTube, like when I was a kid, like I remember I saw like someone like a vlog, I think it was Zoella, like crying because she was having a panic attack and everything and like documented it and like put it online. Like, this is like what it's like. Like, this is what a panic attack is like. And just like, for me, it made me feel like, oh, wow, like I'm not, this isn't just me. Like I'm not alone in that way. And it was comforting. Mm -hmm. And that's why I appreciate when people are more open about their mental health, because if it helps like one other person not feel so isolated in a way, then it, that brings me comfort and that makes me mm-hmm. feel like I've done a great job um, for someone at least and something that I try to do with my work as well too I think Definitely. and then you like you have all that experience as well too working with kids who have autism and trying to you know yeah help them and through therapy and everything as well yeah I have a I have so I'm a speech therapist um, and so I I work with pediatric kids um, and so a lot of times you know they're little and don't really know how to regulate their emotions in general. Mm-hmm. And then you throw a diagnosis of autism on top paired with so many other things that can come with that. And so um, I've kind of been like where, where you were saying, Maddie, how you like sit in the uncomfortable. I do that like on a day-to-day basis with them, wow. um, like trying to find some like sort of like either like a calm, like a calming toy to like play with or just sitting. And um, so it's like really opened my eyes to like how even just like people that, maybe don't necessarily have a mental illness, but they have this other diagnosis, how it, how it all just kind of like meshes together and how everyone's mental health is so completely different, but like you can kind of, uh, I don't know, they like intertwine. And so it's really, yeah. really been interesting. Cool. And it's made, like, I don't necessarily have um, like a mental illness or anything, but I do feel like I struggle with anxiety. And so um, I'm an overthinker. I'm a people pleaser. Like, I like freak out if I think some, like if my boss hasn't reached out to me and like patted me on the back, like I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrible. I grew up like singing. So I think I seek a lot of validation in all areas of my life. And um, yeah, so this has just been like really interesting conversation just to hear like scout your experience and Maddie yours as well. And just how, you know, it's just so important. I think whenever we talk about these kind of things is that everyone is different. And so, um, and that's something that I preach to all of my parents, um, when they come in my door is that, you know, this may have worked for Susie over here, but like your kid is your kid. And so, um, just taking that into consideration, but, um, kind of like going off of that into, um, like more self-care, like what, what do you guys do? Like, how do you cope um, like on a day-to-day basis. And I know we talked about how 
like self-care can be deeper than just like a bubble bath or like a face mask, but like, what are, what are things that you think our listeners or people who are maybe struggling, like would benefit from hearing or things that you do that you've noticed that help you? Yeah. So we're big gratitude expressors over here. So, um, I have the five minute journal and then Scout has her own journal. And I think expressing gratitude every day really helps you to just it puts your blessings like right in front of you and you become very cognizant of things that are already in your life that are amazing. And since I started that practice, it's been an amazing just reminder and a good time to tap in and understand that like, Oh wow. Like there, I'm my first gut like reaction to anything is like, okay, how do I get better? How do I get more? How do I get this? Like I, I everything career, everything like it's and it's exhausting and like scout does a really good job of celebrating the little wins whereas like i'm i don't take time to celebrate like something happens okay wait we can get x amount more of whatever so gratitude helps you to stay present and understand that like your life is fucking amazing and you need to recognize that um other things i mean i am a big worker outer um i don't do really for like physical looks I do it for my mental clarity like mm-hmm. it is something that like if I go a day without working out you don't like I'm so high strong like, I need to get the energy just like <laughs> expelled from my body in some <laughs> way so working out for me has been just the most amazing practice that I've developed over you know five actually more probably like eight years um very regularly so that's something that I I really recommend I know it's like tricky to get into it but like once you're in it uh, uh, just endorphins there is just yeah it's it's the best thing that you can ever do for your body and um and then we're, we're both routine people so like we are early advisors we have really you know great morning routines to ease us into the day we have nighttime routines and yes I like bashed the you know skincare and stuff but like yeah, we have like ten steps skincare routines, and our face. It's just like this ritual, right? And I think yeah. Scout, Scout does this so well, where she'll just like incorporate little rituals throughout the day that just like make you. It feels really That's sacred, so and they're very, yeah, they're like very small things. Like she, you know, she'll just be more mindful when she's making a cup of tea, or just you know, there's there's any ways that you can just like insert types of ritualistic practices and skincare for me is one of those like you can't be on your phone like you're literally washing your face it feels luxurious and yeah um, mm. it's just like a bookend to the day so those yeah. are my tips oh I'm- yeah I'm go ahead I'm sorry oh no you can go I'll tell my tips after Oh, I was just going to say, like, I am very um, religious about uh, making my bathroom as close to a spa as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I, I got the eucalyptus, I got the oils, I got everything in there because I want it to be like the sanctuary yeah. as much as I possibly can have it be. Yeah. And I totally agree with you about the working out because I started doing that after I got through a traumatic relationship and I was just severely depressed. I was like, anytime I'm sad, I literally will schedule a pure bar class the next day um, because I just for one hour I don't have to listen to my thoughts and I I just have an instructor yelling in my ear and music blaring and it it, my favorite form of like self-care for me is just you know having and I've seen people on TikTok talk about the hot girl walk 
where have you seen have you guys seen that hot girl oh my god this one girl it went viral it has like millions of views but i'll I'll have to send it to you maddie on tiktok but there's a trend that i don't know about (laughs) i know it's about to say you're the tiktok queen maddie what are you doing (laughs) this girl she was like for for 15 minutes like you just have take a walk and like you only um like you just say positive affirmations to yourself or listen to like a mindful like podcast or listen to like these positive like music that like where you're just manifesting like like these positive things for yourself it's called hot girl walk yes you just take a walk scout you're already ahead of the trend Getting like, no credit. I've been doing this for years. Like, getting no, no credit. She's like, it's not a TikTok track. I do this every day. Every morning. What are you talking about? No, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah but so, Scout, like, what do you do? Yeah. I do a lot. And I think, but I have to. It just works for me. So some people do one hour. I need to do, like, little things throughout the day to keep me centered. So I don't look at my phone. I wake up around 6, 6.30. I don't really look at it until 8.30 or 9.00. You know, the earliest I'll look at it is eight. And in those times, I journal first thing in the morning. Well, first thing I do is I get my hot cup of water with lemon and then pour my coffee. So while that's cooling, I drink my hot um, cup of water with lemon and I walk outside. Like the first thing, yes, is to take mm-hmm. my dog out. And then I realize that just stepping outside into just nature is is just a really great way to start your day. And then I do morning pages. So I uh, journal for one to two pages subconsciously as I'm waking up. So there's no journal prompt, no judgment. I just write and connect with myself. I pull cards every single day. My favorite deck is Inner Compass. Um, I go Mm -hmm. for a 30 to 45 minute power walk and put on, if it's during the week, it's usually an inspirational entrepreneurial podcast to get me ready for the day. And then of course, as Matt says, like the skincare routine is really important. And then I go to my garden and I pick greens to make for breakfast. I'm still not looking at my phone. I have a very intentional breakfast with the podcast in without looking at the phone. And then I start my day. And then throughout my day, I do little things or there's like essential oils all in there. Like I always take a, take a few deep breaths of the tangerine essential oil before I look at my, look at my computer. And then at night I do lavender oil in the middle of the day. I put my phone away for 30 minutes and cook and eat outside. The only thing I'll let myself have on is a podcast. So just sitting outside and not holding a phone or doing anything but eating is really important to me. Grounding is really important to me. That's when you take your shoes off and walk outside. Yes. Um, I do a lot of prayer. So I'll pray to God. I'll do gratitude with Maz. I put my phone away. I like to put my phone away 30 minutes before going to bed. And then I get into bed and I read before falling asleep. I do Pilates three three to four times a week. So I have to every like two hours check in and do kind of a connection in words. And that usually just looks like five minutes of getting up from where I'm sitting and going outside, just standing outside and looking at the sun for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I don't incorporate those little rituals, I find myself getting anxious. Like today I woke up with my alarm cause I slept in a little bit. And so to turn it off, I saw an email Mm. but the email was a good email. It was a rebrand I'm doing for my website. And I got really excited, but I said, don't look at your phone because you're not supposed to for the first few hours a day. And so I journaled, but then I was like, I got to check out the rebrand. I'm so excited. And when I opened that up, I saw an email from my client that was not favorable and I was not prepared. I was not grounded. I was not centered. I was not awake. Boom. I've had anxiety all day. And so if you don't Mm. implement stuff like that, 
I was so shocked. I said, I haven't felt this type of anxiety in forever. And I know if I read that email at 8.30 or 9, after I had done my walk, after I had pulled my cards, after I had journaled, after I did my skincare, after I ate my breakfast, I would have been like, okay, let's put this into perspective. But instead, I spiraled. I had to pray to God. I had to journal to my soul. I had to like, I mean, it was ridiculous. So setting up your day is my most important thing. I love that. That just sounded so relaxing because like for me, like with ADHD, it, I hyperfixate and I hyperfocus. And I, it's, especially if I'm working on a project or I'm writing um, something, like it's so easy for me to just zone out and just only be in tune to that. And I can't stop. And it's really hard for me to um, pull out of that. But I want to, because if I don't, I'm like, I'm drained. I'm exhausted by the end of it because I've just poured all of my energy into that one singular thing. So I like that you like incorporate things like every, like throughout the day. Cause I feel like that's something that I could definitely benefit. We could both benefit from. And I think so many yeah. other people can as well too, because it's just like a mental check-in with yourself throughout the day. It's like, it also makes things more meaningful. You know, I think yeah. that my main thing, my most favorite thing is just stopping. Like we don't just sit there. Like I posted a story on my Instagram stories the other day. I was like, when's the last time you just sat and like looked around for five minutes? I mean, we literally don't just sit and you don't have to meditate. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to like erase your thoughts, but we don't just stop and just be here. You know, we get so scared of here, but once you can move through that shit, which I feel like I did last year during the pandemic when everyone was going crazy my favorite thing to do is to come home to myself. Five minutes, just sit with me, phone away, computer off, outside, no agenda, and just look. Like, it just baffles my mind that we don't even eat dinner without watching TV, or we don't even have lunch without checking our phone. We yeah. are incapable of sitting for 10 minutes without some poster child for that. There is a constant stream of content going inside my brain. Mm-hmm. From the but second you I wake up, you understand that you're distracting yourself, and it's an addiction. It's it's one hundred percent. I started brushing my teeth while watching TikToks. Like I did that the other day too. I did that the other day got, too. And I was bad. like, what? I, I can't go to the bathroom you, without my phone. But if you stop doing that and learn what it feels like to not have that, when I get in a TikTok hole, I don't feel good. My yeah. energy. Oh, is- I oh, but I love it. No, but you can. <laughs> no, you can like it, but if you can't connect with, yeah, your- if you can't get out, it's not good. But like, yeah. I, I honestly like, I feel. Well, so, okay, if it gets too long, like last night, I was like on it for an hour and a half, and I was like, my eyes felt like they were bleeding. But there yeah. are there are TikTok spirals that actually like do put. It's a mood yes. booster. Like they put me yeah. in such a good mood. Yeah. Same thing with TV it, but, yeah. and movies and stuff. Yeah. It does that. But Content. It's- yeah. I, people say I don't have time for things and they get overwhelmed and it's not true. Yeah. It's just, everyone has time. If, you, if it's important to you, you will make time. Like That's what I literally it. always tell you. So true. That's we what I always tell her this. because you want to start working. Cause I work out every morning. I like 6am. I wake up at, I wake up at five. I start working out and you want, you really want well, to start doing that. Yeah. I used to, I worked out all the time in college and I would go in the mornings before I was in grad school and so I went, well, it's just a disaster. So I'd go early in the morning 
because I didn't sleep in grad school and uh, now I like my sleep. And so I'm like, I want to get up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. And then when I get home from work, I'm exhausted. And I always use that whole, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Exactly. It's, look, it's like, be gentle with yourself, of course. If you wanted to do it, you would do it. And like, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a early worker outer as well. It's like, I'm just, it's, it's, but it's also a habit. Like you just do it and it's a habit. James, I'm a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday workout gal, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Wednesday. I'm like, nope. That's it. There you go. Who cares? (laughs) Those are my days and that's all I got. There we go. But yeah, no, Scout, I resonate with what you were saying because I feel like the only time that I sit is when I'm like in the mountains or at the beach where I feel like there's like there's a serenity and like peace around me when I'm like, like, we can find that. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that here on my porch? Why can't I do that outside of my office building at lunch? Like, why do I not just take myself outside and eat? Why do I have to be on my phone? So I think that's a really, really nice. That's something I've tried to do. I've set like, yeah, you know, you can turn off your apps. I've done that. Uh, but I still get on in the morning. So I really need to work on that because I think that would just set up my day to be more successful and less anxious. Because when I see things, I get anxious, even if it's not about me. Um, and that's just the empath in me. So, (laughs) but I think that's a beautiful survival tip for this episode is just having more mindful moments for yourself throughout the day and like being able to be comfortable in silence and, you know, alone as well too. I think whatever, like your little sparks of joy that you have for yourself throughout the day, whether it's, you know, having that Starbucks at 3 p.m. <laughs> or just, Not you know, good. sitting comfortably like in your bedroom and just journaling or just sitting and just, you know, absorbing the energy and like what's happening in this moment and just, you know, feeling at peace, whatever it may be, having those moments throughout the day can help, I think, bring everybody to like a more like peace and just healthy mindset, I think, throughout the day. Totally. Totally, totally. Wow, I feel like I just did a meditation. I feel <laughs> so calm. The second we no, have- actually, you know what? This is inspiring me to go to my rooftop. I'm not going to take my phone, and I'm just going to sit there. I love it. Oh my gosh! I'm going to fucking cry. sit, and I'm going to look. <laughs> I'm going to look, look at the sky. <laughs> Loki, I got Chick Fil A the other day, and just <laughs> went to a park. And I just sat in a park and ate my I mean, ate my dinner there by myself, and it was. Yes. Just enjoy the sun. Eat your Chick-fil-A in a park alone. Let's go. Cheers. <laughs> well, thank you, gals, for coming on our show. It's meant a lot to us to sit here with you guys. And we yeah. have loved um, just chatting about this. And where can everybody find you guys? You can find us on Instagram at OKSIS Podcast, on TikTok at OKSIS Podcast. We have a secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. And of course, you can listen to our podcast, OKSIS, OKAY space SIS, wherever you listen to podcasts. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Also, please go and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us out. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. Uh-huh.